Welcome to Clin Farm Pod. I'm Elena Webster, Deputy Managing Editor for the ASCPT Family of Journals. My guest today is Dr. Richard Peck, Global Head of Clinical Pharmacology in the Pharma Research and Development Department for Roche Limited in Switzerland, and Associate Editor of Clinical Pharmacology and Therapeutics. Thanks for joining me today, Richard. On a previous episode of this series, I spoke with Deanna Kretz about the top three things she hopes to find in a good peer review. Today, we're going to flip that coin, so to speak, and discuss what's unhelpful in peer review. But first, I'd like to ask you the question I've asked on every peer review episode. What do you feel peer review contributes to sound science, and why is it so important to the success of not only ASCPT's journals, but scholarly and scientific journals in general? Well, well, hi, Elena, and thanks for asking me to take part in this podcast. In in terms of peer review, fundamentally, it's really the quality control. You know, the last 18 months with the COVID pandemic has shown some astonishing science and some truly remarkable discoveries and progress made. But I think it's also shown us that there's some poor quality science out there as well, and that can have consequences when the lack of quality is not recognized by many people who may be reading it. And I think it's really emphasized how valuable peer review is as a means to filter, if you like, the uh, filter out the poor quality stuff, leave us with better quality science uh, that can be trusted and that has utility and that will help advance the field. And the job that the peer reviewers do is just fundamentally important to making that happen. I would add one more thing, which we we may touch on later in the peer review, which is it's not just about yes or no. There's a hugely important component of peer review to help improve the quality of how a piece of science is presented, because there may be good work, but it's it's not been presented in quite the best way. And the peer reviewers can can help really help to ensure that good quality work uh, actually gets uh, portrayed in a way that uh, allows it to be easily understood by others. Thank you. That's a great point. When you're doing a peer review, let's let's talk about language and tone. I've certainly seen some reviews that were not kindly written. Where do you think the balance is between professional and harshly critical? Yeah, so we always have to be professional, you know, and polite. I don't think there's any place for being rude. The way I look at this, you know, both as an editor, as an author, and as someone who does peer reviews, you know, whilst our peer review process is anonymous. I think it's always worth thinking, what would I write? What would I say if I was actually doing this live with the editors and with the authors? And if this, what I was doing was going to be made public, it's important to to maintain that professionality. Now, there doesn't have to be a contrast between being professional and critical, maybe professional and harshly critical, but we want you to be critical. If that's the right thing to be, we need you to be critical but do it in a way that uh, is, as I said, constructive, polite, maintains that, that uh, appropriate level of behavior. But if honestly you think a piece of work is not good, tell us it's not good. I, I, I don't think there's a conflict between the two in terms of being professional and being critical. Perfect, thank you. What about the level of detail? Uh, as you're both an author and an associate editor, can you comment on what's most helpful in both roles? Yeah, this is... This is important and and, and can be quite a tricky area. So a few thoughts around that. There needs to be enough detail in the review 
to support the opinion. You're asked, would you accept, would you reject, do you, would you, would you uh, require revisions? And it's not helpful to us if the opinion is not supported by the enough detail in the review to actually allow us to understand why that's your opinion. Equally, it's not helpful if the opinion doesn't actually reflect the detail. Sometimes we get reviews that are really quite detailed and suggest a course of action, which is not what the reviewer recommends. And it's a bit difficult to then know which way to jump. Secondly, remember, I mean, most of the peer reviewers, not just myself, but many peer reviewers are authors. So let's think about what do we want to see when we're an author? And as, as, an, as an associate editor, it doesn't help very much if someone just says this is not good. You know, tell us why it's not good. As an author, it doesn't help if somebody just says, I don't like this. You know, what is it that you don't think is right? What are your specific concerns? Because then the author really has a chance of being able to do something about it in the revisions or in a subsequent uh, submission or if they send it either back to CPD or indeed to another journal. So I think that's also something that we, we need to keep into account. And, and both of those two thoughts would tend to push towards writing more rather than less. Probably less than a third of a page is too short. If you're going more than one, one and a half pages, certainly more than one and a half pages, you're probably giving us more than we need and you're going into unnecessary detail. Please don't try to rewrite the manuscript. That's not your job. Uh, that's the author's job. There's no need to, to try and do that, although it can be quite tempting to do that at times. And it's, it's not really helpful to comment on just style. If the author's written something in a way that makes it really difficult, if not impossible, to understand what they're trying to say, then please, that is important to know. But if they've just written something in a way that's not how you would have written it, live with it. That's, that's, it's not helpful to tell us that because we're not going to ask authors to change that sort of thing. Yeah, and I think that that point is especially helpful in terms of realizing that when the authors, if they're asked for a revision, are expected to comment on every single a point yeah. made by the reviewer and it does get to be a little tedious for them if it's you misspelled this word that'll be cotton copy editing so we can catch those sort of things uh, and we can also catch the the cases where you know i'm very conscious as a native english speaker who can't speak any other languages uh, all of many of our authors are writing in their second third or fourth language we can help with that as well so you know by all means make a comment that you know that probably needs review by a native English speaker, but don't go beyond that. There's no need because we'll, we've picked up on that anyway, and we will offer help to the authors if the content of the paper is otherwise good. I completely agree. Thank you. And kind of leading on from that, I've been reading a lot about unconscious bias in review and how to combat that, so to speak. What steps do you suggest for ensuring your review is fair and unprejudiced as possible? Yeah, this is really tricky, I think. I mean, there's, there's a, it's not unconscious bias, but when things about conscious bias, clearly, if you, if you think you have a conflict of interest, please identify it to us. We don't know all of them. We try to avoid obvious conflicts of interest, but we may not realize that there are some things that exist. So if you're concerned about that, please tell us. Of course, that's not unconscious bias, that's conscious bias. In terms of the unconscious bias, I think this is really quite a, a difficult area. You know, could we help by not telling you author information or this sort of thing? It, it's possible, but that's not what we do at the moment because it's actually quite important for the reviewers to know that because 
that might actually be a conflict of interest. I think the, the most I can ask is please be aware of that risk. Please recognize that all of us have unconscious biases and ask yourself when you're making comments and particularly when you're making a judgment, is this based on the facts in front of you? Is this something you can truly support with logical scientific type arguments or is this something else? Uh, and just challenge ourselves that we're really not falling into perhaps some of the better, you know, the, the more obvious traps that are we biased based on gender, ethnicity, uh, other uh, characteristics, or just something else. I mean, we just have to try to be honest with ourselves, but it is a really tricky subject to deal with. I agree. I agree. But also, you know, it's so important to make sure that we're giving everyone their fair due. Well, Richard, I really appreciate your time and insights into what does and does not make for a good review. Uh, thanks for coming on the podcast. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we close? Well, maybe in the context of what's not helpful, I think one, one further comment is failing to deliver being or being late is not helpful. If you really don't think you're going to be able to do a review in the time uh, allowed, please tell us, say no, rather than accept please say no. It always helps if you give us some suggestions for alternative reviewers, but please don't, don't agree to do a review that you're really not going to be able to deliver. And then if, it, if something happens and it turns out that you're not able to, to do a review after all, again, please say so rather than you know, saying, oh, give me another week. And then a week later, give me another week. If it's a day or two and you really can do it, that's great. I think Deanna mentioned in her podcast, we'd rather have a good review a couple of days late and lose that review. But if the reality is that for reasons out of your control, you can't any longer deliver, please say so rather than uh, have all of us wasting our time and yours by chasing you up. And I guess our, you know, my, my closing comments would just be to say thank you to all the reviewers. I mean, we know that this is something that you do because you want to, and we really appreciate the commitment that you make to helping the journal and to helping ensure the quality of the science that gets presented. So thank you, thank you all so much for, for doing that for us. Thank you, Richard. I completely agree, especially with your comment on timeliness as a member of the journal staff, whose job it is to chase down those reviews. We would love it if they were close to the due date. Um, and again, yes, I agree. We, we absolutely appreciate uh, all of our peer reviewers. We would not be able to do what we do without your help. Thank you all for listening to Clint Park Pod. Be sure to check out past episodes while you're here and remember to visit ASCPT.org for updated podcast releases, our latest webinars, and the most recent issue of all three journals. 